talking about the legend of bagger vance today or as i like to call it the legend of baggy pants <laughs> i uh you th- you sh- you should uh i'm speechless <laughs> you I mean, uh, I've, been, I've definitely been waiting for about a week to say that <laughs> that's what i was trying to say that i was trying to say that i was like i could tell that you you've been holding that one in uh, yeah. much like a fart to, to <laughs> much like a fart <laughs> Yep. There's just like releasing a fart, there's a sense of relief, but also kind of a sense of shame around it. (laughs) Someone heard it and I would imagine um, it's a a pretty dumb joke. Well, you know, shame only in the sense that it's that uh, that sense of shame has been culturally constructed by a super ego to to keep us in line. (laughs) That's true. And to stop us from making corny puns about the legend of Bagger Vance. I heard uh, not too long ago that the very first recorded joke is a uh, is in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, and it's a fart joke. Really? Yeah. I don't <laughs> I don't remember the joke, but it has to do with farting. <laughs> I was very happy to hear that. I I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing that we can decode hieroglyphics to the extent that we know when Egyptians were talking about farts. Yeah, exactly. I wonder what their hieroglyphic for fart looked like. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they had a pretty limited set of hieroglyphs, right? So yeah, it was like they did. A, it was just like a combination of the different symbols that would create words. I mean, I, I guess that's I pretty much so. what letters do. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're right. I think the it's not like each each character was a word. I think each character was like a sound. Ah. So I think it was like like the eye or the owl or the other stuff. <laughs> I wonder if there was a picture of Thoth nearby. Is Thoth an ancient Egyptian god? He is. Ah. Yeah. He's the one with like the, the big ibis beak that just kind of is kind of long and curves downward. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> the only the only Egyptian gods I don't really know anything about like Egyptian Egyptian mythology, but <laughs> Like I know where you're going with this. Oh, I, I, I actually don't think you are. You okay. do. I mean, <laughs> and it's the only Egyptian gods I know are from are the ones that are mentioned in the Prince of Egypt, the cartoon. Ooh, yeah, curveball. That's a that's a that's a fun movie. Yeah, I I was with you and still thought I had it all the mm-hmm. way until the Prince of Egypt because I thought you were going to say the mummy. Oh, of course, Anubis, the mummy, Anubis, <laughs> <laughs> big mouth guy. <laughs> what's his name i don't remember the guy at all. that looks like billy oh imhotep <laughs> guy that looks like billy zane yeah <laughs> there's at least a decade of my life where i didn't just think that was billy zane it just was billy zane like the only two movies i knew of with billy zane were titanic and the mummy <laughs> i, I you, do you remember that we had this exact conversation when we talked about the mummy. I, I vaguely do. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. great. I like how Billy Zane has a he has such a distinct look that people often mistaken mistake other people for him. Hmm. Um, and it's not like, oh, look at that average size bald guy. It's like, hey, look at that guy who looks like Billy Zane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy in the movie The Phantom looks a lot like him. <laughs> I tried to think of another movie that he's in, but I only knew Titanic, <laughs> The Phantom, and Zoolander when he Zoolander. plays himself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but did, did you notice how many baggy pants there were in this movie? I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily pay attention to it, but I always love a movie that takes place in like the twenties for mm-hmm. like the clothing. So I certainly noticed. Yeah, like a lot of like big linen flowy pants. You know, which makes sense mm-hmm. if you're living in the South and it's the summer. It's like. You know, you want to wear loose clothing, fedoras, vests. Mm. Um, but yeah, now that you mention it, I I do see the baggy pants. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of them were worn by Bobby Jones, one of the 
the two men that Arjuna goes against. Mm-hmm. So it's Bobby Jones and the other, I forget the other guy. Yeah. Just want to call him Norm for some reason. Because <laughs> I know that's like, not... looks like a Norm. Kind of looks like a Norm. I like that actor. Cause, so Bobby Jones is like, he's very prim and proper and nice, correct? Mm-hmm. And then Good Norm is... <laughs> I love that we're calling him Norm. Yeah. <laughs> Norm is sort of a uh, a womanizer, a, a, a kind of a, a rough and gruff kind of kind of guy, right? That's the guy you're thinking yeah. of? Yeah, he's the closest we got to Shooter McGavin. Yeah, you're right. He is kind of Shooter McGavin. Yeah, kind of pulls Arjuna aside, tries to make a little deal to let him win. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, Arjuna, let me win. And then in return, I'll let you follow me around and let me win every time we play. Yeah. <laughs> Make a lot of money, son. <laughs> I like that actor a lot, though. He's kind of a character actor that, like, I bet no one in the world knows his name, not even his wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do, though. <laughs> I actually don't. <laughs> oh, okay. I wish I did, but yeah. um, it's like you would recognize him, and he plays such a fun character in, in Bagger Vance, and man, he makes cigarettes look good. He's kind of always smoking them. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's got baggy pants. This movie made me think of Happy Gilmore many times. I mean, obviously, there's the golf element, but um, even the fact of baggy pants, Happy Gilmore has a line that says, golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. Yes, he does. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's so funny. I... I totally forgot that, but I also, a number of times while watching this movie, was thinking about Happy Gilmore. <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, I don't remember exactly the, the things that made me think of Happy Gilmore, but at one point I do remember watching everyone on the golf course and just it, a sh- certain shot, sort of like a, it looked like it was probably shot from like an elevated position, reminded me of a certain scene from Happy Gilmore. And I was like, oh my God, this, another golf movie, just like Happy Gilmore. And and I know there's like a there's like a subculture of people who just love golf movies. Like golf movies are often so kind of funny. Like hmm. think of like a, a movie like this or Happy Gilmore or Caddyshack. Um, mm-hmm. But as I began to think about Happy Gilmore, the first thought that came to my, my mind was, well, Happy Gilmore does have more side characters than than Bagger Vance. And then and then I zoned mm-hmm. out watching Bagger Vance for about ten minutes as I just <laughs> remembered how great Adam Sandler used to be at making side characters. <laughs> He was so good. We had a whole episode about him, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> was is the first side character that comes to mind from Happy Gilmore? Oh, probably Mr. Larson. Stuff <laughs> <laughs> to beat. <laughs> Can't think of Mr. Larson without thinking of the yeah. slow motion of him running with really exaggerated arm yeah. movements and growling. <laughs> Uh, but after after Mr. Larson, it's it's probably that that like kind of pasty little caddy. That... That, that's who came to my. That was my first. Yeah, <laughs> little that's, caddy. That's great. <laughs> Happy Gilmore just like basically physically abuses throughout his five minutes on screen. Then he's just gone from the movie. <laughs> Mr. Gilmore, I'm your caddy. <laughs> after he throws him to the ground, he's like, oh. <laughs> So funny. Yeah, those two. And then I think the last one that needs mention is Gary Potter, because I would say <sighs> Gary Potter is the bridge between Happy Gilmore and Bagger Vance, yes. most specifically, which I think we mentioned at the end of our last episode. I think we did. I think you're right. <laughs> but it's it's worth mentioning again. Oh, it's so true. I mean, like, yeah, it's some of the parallels were like, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was, it was just really pretty hilarious. I mean, because, you know... Gary Potter. First of all, it's so funny that that's his name. <laughs> and like, it's just, <laughs> that was Kevin Nealon. <laughs> this is way before Harry Potter was was written. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just love that he's this guru, this spiritual guru. But the stuff he's saying is just total nonsense. Um, but yeah, there were moments when Bagger Vance was was explaining stuff to Arjuna, and it was like, wow, this is. It's so much more profound and so much kind of uh, more emotionally charged, but it's just, it's, it's like a Gary Potter scene, but with a twist. Mm-hmm. It just felt like <laughs> Gary Potter presented like seriously, like yeah. not as a joke, but still pretty much saying the exact same thing. Yeah. Saying a lot of like mysterious things about interconnectivity. Mm-hmm. Harmony. 
<laughs> I think my favorite part. Feel the flow. <laughs> something I just love so much about the Gary Potter scene is right after Gary Potter says all this stuff to Happy Gilmore, Happy Gilmore just goes, psycho. <laughs> he fairly loudly <laughs> refers to him as a psycho. <laughs> but after Happy Gilmore screams at his ball for a minute, Gary Potter goes, psycho. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. What did you think of Bagger Vance's advice to Arjuna? Um, any, just in general or any? Yeah, I mean, I guess pretty much the whole movie is his advice to Arjuna. <laughs> kind of, it kind of centralized on certain themes, right? Yeah. I guess I didn't, I don't really know if I noticed exactly what the themes that like emerged were, except for it was, I just kept thinking of it was a lot of like, find, obviously like find your swing. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it, it worked for the movie, but I feel like in real life, if someone was giving the advice that Bagger Vance was giving to Arjuna, he, Arjuna would have been like, you're fired. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to put up with, with me finding myself right now, but which made it, uh-huh. made it kind of, kind of great and fun that it was like, oh, Arjuna is, is suffering big time. And what he needs to find is something deeper, which is, you know, probably akin to that that true swing, the true self. The true self. Mm-hmm. Authenticity. Yeah. That one true authentic swing. Yeah. It's... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of had the sense that this was, uh, this was like a, uh, kind of spiritual white guy writing these lines which <laughs> <laughs> is kind of thought of like a kind of spiritual white guy who just loves golf <laughs> and it's all channeled through robert redford who oh yeah in the 90s early 2000s seemed to just like see everything as like a spiritual allegory interesting from fly fishing to a golf swing <laughs> you're right he did Robert Redford has such a bizarre career and here's what yeah. here's what I mean by that like you won't hear from from Robert Redford for like 10 years then all of a sudden he'll just star in three movies in a row <laughs> and he's like really old looking yeah he's a he's a strange looking old man <laughs> but yeah i i get your point about about the um the lines being written by a just a spiritual white guy who loves golf Spiritual white guy who loves golf. <laughs> I oh man, I wish I had. I sh- I should have written some of the lines. Some of the lines down. I mean, like oh, I did, and I was about to. Read oh, them. please, please. <laughs> did you want to? What, what were you about to add? No, I. Um, it's not important. I, okay, I, it's horrible. Got uh, you lost your swing, so we got to go find it somewhere in the harmony of all that was, all that is, and all that will be. Yeah. It's kind of like taking that prayer, glory be, and adding a golf swing to it. It's <laughs> a really good way of putting it. Yeah, like I. So, anyway, yeah, maybe let's 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 listen to some more. I think and, and talk about them, and then maybe offer some interpretation. Yeah, let's see what else I got. Uh, keep swinging that club till you're part of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hearing someone just read them they it, they really don't carry the same sort of like force of emotion that they do in the movie because yeah. the movie's surrounded by like creative photography and this like soft uh-huh. breezy music the music yeah yeah it's like everything slows down will smith is just like speaking super calmly yeah. and just looking looking calm <laughs> so you kind of don't really hear the words just like oh wow this is uh this, this is, is calm. This is, this is mystical. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> only one, only one shot that's in perfect harmony with the field. His shot, authentic shot. Mm-hmm. All we, <laughs> I've got this one written down. It says, "All we got to do is get out of its way. Let it choose us." And beneath it, I wrote, "Dow Potter." <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's funny that you wrote Dow because I remember that line and. I remember, you know, because I think as I had mentioned, I um, not long before watching this movie, I had listened to the Bhagavad Gita uh, in audiobook, 
And so Hmm. I had a lot of that in mind as I was watching this. And the movie has similarities in many ways, and but then there are other ways in which it's different. Um, But there were certain lines that that uh, Bagger Vance said that I was like, "Uh, that's not that's not really sort of necessarily. I mean, maybe in some respect, uh, like Hindu spirituality, like it could be related, but there were certain things he said that was like, that's much more like Taoist spirituality. Were there any things he said that did feel like they directly related to the Bhagavad Gita? Cause I think, I think the Gita is fresher in your mind than mine. Yeah. Um, so, I mean that first one that you said sort of uh, all that was, all that is, all that will be or whatever, like a large portion of the Bhagavad Gita is, um, concerned with the sense of eternality, like everything's eternal. Um, so there was, there were certain things that he said, but that Bagger Van said, but then those sort of lines kind of felt odd in a, in a golf movie. Cause it's like, we're trying to find an authentic swing, but why, why is that related to things being eternal? <laughs> and it's, it's kind of hard to make the case that you can connect the eternal to golf when, the eternal connection to Hinduism is the fact that all souls are eternal. So like reincarnation. So <laughs> it's kind of hard to then be like, Ooh, how can we turn the idea of being eternal into a, into a golf swing? A pitching yeah, wedge. Into a pitching wedge. <laughs> <laughs> the eternal symbol of the four iron. <laughs> is there even a four iron? There is. Yeah. Is there a five. It's like every, every number doesn't jump. No, I think it's, it, it's every number. I think it, the lower, lower irons are, are not common, like a one iron or a two iron, but they exist. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think that Mr. Larson bends Shooter McGavin's nine iron. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shooter, you forgot your nine <laughs> iron. Yeah. <laughs> he has a whole chorus of people laughing behind him. <laughs> hey, I recently watched the movie Thelma and Louise. Have you ever okay. seen it? Can't say ah. I've seen it. Nope. Shooter mm-hmm. McGavin's in it. Christopher, Christopher McDonald. McDonald, yeah. C-Mac. Okay. And (laughs) he, I I feel like Adam Sandler must have seen him in this movie and said, I want him to play my villain because he plays a pretty similar character, a hothead, an arrogant hothead. Um, Yeah. It's pretty funny. It's hard to see him as anything else. Yeah. (laughs) Except Ward Cleaver. (laughs) I cannot believe you were able to reference Leave It to Be. That's amazing. It's just crazy the way that memories come up. Like I, I'm not sure if I've ever seen that movie, and I really pretty maybe maybe when it first came out, but I'm almost certain that I haven't thought of it in years. I I would love to know. You know, we have data and everything nowadays. I would I would love to know. Is there anyone in the world who watched Leave It to Beaver today? <laughs> I <laughs> on this exact yeah, day. On, on this exact day that we're recording this, is anyone in the world has anyone watched or is anyone going to watch Leave It to Beaver the film? <laughs> I do don't think? know. I, I I think zero, but that that can't be yeah, pot- like what I would if guess it's zero. I wonder one. I mean I would I would guess zero, but but it could be one or two. Yeah could see some really old person loving that movie and that's like their comfort movie <laughs> like an old box tv set during quarantine the the remake to leave it to beaver yeah it's just switching between that and the brady bunch movie <laughs> coleman gary uh, gary gary coleman Col- is that his name gary <laughs> gary, Col- gary cole gary coleman was a little different <laughs> A little different. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> yeah. Gary Cole, he's a wonderful. Gary actor. Cole is great. Anytime I really want to laugh, I'll just think of him in Office Space as lumber, oh, man. having sex with Jennifer Aniston, and just sitting up at the coffee mug. A sweaty body telling Ron Livingston that he needs to get his TPS reports <laughs> submitted. Yeah, that movie is so amazing. <laughs> Mike Judge. Yeah. Truly a genius. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. 
If anyone's listening to this, I would just ask ask you, listener, to pause just for a moment to appreciate the fact that office space exists. Yeah, that's I'm having what at that moment right now. Like I kind of uncontrollable laughter. That's great. It's yeah. good. Okay, hey, do you want to do you want to reconstruct how we got here? <laughs> yeah, sure. It'd be kind of because you kind of did that like in one of our more recent episodes, and I was so impressed with it. I think it kind of be fun to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we went on a massive tangent that all started with uh, talking about Edward Furlong. <laughs> Somehow led to Marlon Brando, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and Apocalypse Now, and, and yeah. Island of Doctor Moreau. <laughs> yeah. Some detailed backstory. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just given those quotes. I think it was it was Tao, Dao, and Potter, and then that led us to talk about. <laughs> Talk about uh, the Gita connections. We got and... to shoot a McGavin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I just randomly said, yeah, I saw Thelma and Louise. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Thelma and Louise. Uh, there was a big point of change when uh, thought of Mr. Larson bending McGavin's nine iron. Oh, yes. We are talking about eternity manifesting in yes. a pitching wedge <laughs> and then uh, a four iron. <laughs> <laughs> oh man wow which comes back to some white guy who loves mm-hmm. golf writing yeah. this movie and writing these lines you just i, I know it, it's a book and you're familiar with the author right yeah but not 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 very much i i saw a short interview with him a little while back mm-hmm. i wonder if he's a big golf kind of guy yeah i don't know he he's written a lot of a lot of um a lot of books and i feel like a lot of them have a, th- a similar theme to um, to Bagger Vance, which I'm sure there's a name for it, but I'm just going to call it like the Rocky theme. You know what I mean? There's sort of like a theme in film. Um, and a lot of times they show up in sports films, but it's very much a Rocky theme where it's, you know, guy can't do something. Guy does something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> underdog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. There's a word for it. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Overcoming past. Yes. And and for that, like I when I watch this movie, I really I really enjoy because I love a good story of someone who can't do something then finding kind of the strength to do it. So uh mm. but yeah, you add that music, you add cryptic sayings from Will Smith and <laughs> and you got it. I got I got two last ones to share. Please. And then we can derail again. Um there's one like in all these quotes it's just like matt damon focusing and like will smith just kind of leaning over his shoulder and kind of whispering into his ear see the flag not as some dragon to slay see the place the tides and the seasons all come together where everything that is becomes one yeah eternity eternity and this last one's a long one oh good Inside each and every one of us is one true authentic swing, something we was born with, something that's ours and ours alone, something that can't be taught to you or learned, something that got to be remembered. Over time, the world can rob us of that swing, get buried inside of us, inside us under all our wouldas and couldas and shouldas. Some folk even forget what their swing was like. (laughs) Okay, so that one did kind of remind me that that one had some reincarn- reincarnation themes in it, in my mind. Okay, so, how so? Sort of this idea of like <clears throat> remembering um, Titans. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Um, but sort of, it talks about you know remembering the swing, which I don't really know if there's any sense of like. I, I don't really remember how I thought this. <laughs> Somehow this 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 quote did remind me of like the idea of of like doing doing your duty, which is basically like the the main theme of the Gita. So I don't know, something like that. I kind of forget. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember my authentic swing. That's right. Yeah. You're, you're kind of trapped in these wouldas, couldas, and shouldas. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Shame. Shame. <laughs> 
just just Arjuna trapped in the woods. Arjuna trapped in the woods. <laughs> yeah. It's like everything in this movie has to be a metaphor. Yeah, it really it has so many so many metaphors. And like metaphor for what though? That's kind of my question. Like living life. <laughs> you know cuz like I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it it seems pretty clear it's trying to be more than golf. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just for golfers. Yeah. It's like there <laughs> what I what I want to know is <laughs> it's like everything about this movie is totally believable and grounded, except for the character of Bagger Vance. <laughs> because he literally comes out of nowhere in the middle of the night and there's something mysterious about him. And then at the end, the very, very end of the movie, I think it's the last shot, the caddy boy, who I forget his name. Do you remember his name? Jack Lemon. Yeah, Jack Lemon. Um, he has just had a heart attack. And somehow it's like, oh, the old guy had a heart attack, but he seems fine. He's not going to die. But basically then the movie is his memory. So mm. then we're watching like his memory, which is basically his dying memory, because then I, I'm pretty sure it's... He basically then dies because the very ah. last scene is him literally waving at Bagger Vance, who has clearly not aged a day. <laughs> this guy's aged a solid 70 years. <laughs> exactly. Okay. That, that makes sense. I was wondering why this movie was framed in Jack Lemmon's heart attack. But, <laughs> like, got that like calming music at the beginning and then he just like goes down clutching his chest, but like it's kind of presented comically. Like, yeah, he's just like, ah, oh, dang it. Yeah, that's the fourth heart attack of the last two years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then he just starts narrating the story. <laughs> like, I guess he's, his life is flashing before his eyes, but he's very calmly narrating this this story. Yeah, and it's a very, um, it's a very limited very limited section of his life that that he has a very detailed memory of in his dying seconds <laughs> yeah. yeah it's probably like a month yeah like it, a... he references in his in the beginning of his narration his wife he doesn't think about her as he's dying <laughs> he thinks about when he was a 10 year old boy and the golfer that he liked a lot <laughs> mystical bagger vans who came and went yeah. changed everything <laughs> Like, actually, something I tried to pay attention to about halfway through the movie is I was watching it and I was like, I don't, I have only seen Arjuna. And I just realized that we're calling him Arjuna, even though everyone calls him Juna. Yeah. <laughs> but I still like calling him Arjuna. Yeah. <laughs> they call him Arjuna a couple times. You're right. They do. Yeah. Because his first initials are. Yeah. But yeah, mostly yeah. Juna. Yeah. Um. But I like when Arjuna, <laughs> uh, I like when those avatars, um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Hey, speaking of avatar, I saw, I recently saw a deleted scene when oh. literally the avatars, those, those avatar things, uh, attack during like the final battle. They, they quickly like revolt against Rabisi. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the, the avatars, who are created or the avatars who live on Pandora? Oh, the avatars who are created. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Those the avatars. actual avatars, yeah. The actual avatars. So there's like people who are in the little chambers and going in yep. and then they run and <laughs> revolt against Rubisi. Yeah. Who's probably playing golf. <laughs> Putting. You're right, but he, he wasn't concerned with the interconnectedness of all things. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when Sigourney Weaver tried to tell him about that. <laughs> <laughs> he basically just shut her down. Wow. Said that she was high. <laughs> there are, now that I think about it, there are, oh man, it's kind of great. The connections between Avatar and Bagger Vance. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, we found another movie that Cameron ripped off. <laughs> yeah. He was, he, he, um, he probably bought a bootleg copy of Bagger Vance cause he didn't want to support Robert Redford. <laughs> He said, I will steal this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't want anyone knowing he was watching it and stealing the ideas, so he took a submarine to the depths of the ocean to watch it on his laptop. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Shakespeare experiences the oneness of all things. <laughs> yeah, he he yeah, James Cameron experiences the oneness of all things when he is like at a level of the sea that is that has such high pressure that it would literally crush a human body. <laughs> like instantly. <laughs> it would turn a person into a pancake. <laughs> smash his face into the shape of jake Busey's face <laughs> jake Busey, wow we haven't referenced him in, the, in quite a while it's been a bit so what were we talking about <laughs> uh you were oh, yes. saying that yeah about mm-hmm. halfway through the movie i thought to myself i think i've only seen bagger vance uh interact with with arjuna and I was like, can other people see Bagger Vance? And then I started, you know, as I kept watching, I did see other people talk to Bagger Vance. But there was like a good 20 minutes where I was like, he, Bagger Vance did not talk to anyone else. I think first mm-hmm. it was the little ca- Jack Lemon as a baby. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then like some of the golf officials, like maybe a referee or like the, the, the mm-hmm. weird mayor guy who's like the judge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He kind of comes running over. He's like, what, what kind of advice you giving him, Mr. Vance? Like everyone talks like that. Yeah. I love, I love sort of the, this stereotype of like people from Savannah. They're just like these like big verbose men who are like always hot. We need a local. <laughs> always making plans and like being close to yelling those plans. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Always wearing suits, suits and sweating, and uh, often yeah. ha- voices with a little higher pitch than you would imagine. Yeah. What are you doing, Mister Vance? <laughs> what do you wish burning in his ear there, Mister Vance? <laughs> That's so great. There's such like an archetype of like the 1920s big fat guy from Georgia, like 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 yeah. gentle, like gentleman, distinguished suit wearing guy. Yeah. Right. It's, I think is Bagger Vance the only black guy in this film? I think I can't think of another one. I think so. It's it's mostly like just white men in suits and fedoras, and then like three white golfers and baby white Jack. Yeah, women. and then Char- Charlie Theron's character. Charlie yeah. Charlie Theron. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Pretty pretty thinly drawn character for Charlize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like her. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. Just distraught over Matt Damon that's leaving for the yeah. war and not coming back. But like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all her yeah, this, scenes are about. That. Yes, exactly. This is your this is your motivation. This is your one characteristic. Yeah, not passing the Bechdel test. Nope, definitely not. <laughs> wow, it's kind of it's kind of odd though to have like. One black guy amidst all these white dudes in the South in the early 1900s and, like, not really make any mention of, like, racism. No. Yeah. Just kind of like, what what does this mean? Like, what are you trying to say with the fact that, like, this one guy who's clearly, like, he doesn't – he's a homeless drifter. (laughs) And he just appears out of the darkness – to like guide Matt Damon, like I don't know, I don't know, like why did she make him a black guy? Like what's what's the comments yeah. here? And I've been thinking a lot about this actually. Um, yeah. First of all, I like that you refer to him as a homeless drifter, because like in my mind, and again inspired by the Bhagavad Gita, like you know in the Bhagavad Gita it's Arjuna and it's Krishna, and so it's like Krishna is God. And like Krishna is all powerful and explains literally the mysteries of the universe and like all like the core tenets of Hindu belief. And so in my mind, as I was watching this, Bhagavans was, was, was being Krishna for me. But, but I, as you worded it, like, well, no, it's like, it's real life. Like he's just, <laughs> he's a homeless drifter. And maybe the reason why he hasn't aged at the end of the movie is because Jack Lemon is already dead. And that final vision on the golf course is something like a, like a heaven heaven scene so of course bagger vance Mm. would be the age that he was when baby jack lemon knew him so with that (laughs) said we get this interesting situation where literally bagger vance this homeless drifter walks out of the field in the middle of the night is polite and has witty stuff to say and 
knows a lot about golf. Doesn't he even, does he even hit one? Yeah, he, uh, yeah, at one point, like, Matt Damon isn't taking him seriously, yeah. and so he takes a swing, and his swing is authentic. That's right, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and then he, he Bagger Vance, at literally the most important part of the movie, he just leaves. <laughs> so, so if he is a mystical representation of a god, then wonderful. Uh, Arjuna must accomplish the task on his own. But if he's just a homeless drifter... Oh my god, I just burped. Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. I was just not expecting that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stuck up it on did. you. Like Bagger in the night. <laughs> Death will come like Bagger Vance in the night. <laughs> um, but at the most important moment that someone could need someone, he leaves. Which is just kind of... Mm. If you think of him as a homeless drifter, it's just kind of funny. He's probably just like, I'm bored now. I've like, I've said all the wise <laughs> things I have to say. Also, I feel like it's, it needs to be noted that his, his name is Bagger, one who bags. Does that mean he was born to be a caddy? You know, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, carry the bag. Carry the bag. Like, actually, before I had seen this movie as like a kid and I like knew about it from the trailer, I thought that like, the name was significant because he was the the bag carrier. So oh, he's the bagger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. It probably makes more sense than any other interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> I think the white guy who wrote this just like took the initials BV and wrote as many names as he could think of and thought, yeah, bagger yeah. mass. That sounds mysterious and intriguing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bubba Vulture. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why this movie is really, it's funny to think about, but I I don't really feel like I can say much about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's a strange, strange movie. It seems to be like playing on some of those old sports tropes i feel like sports movies very often not very often but it seems like they have this nostalgic yeah. element like it's a memory and like there's a narrator like there's um sandlot mm. and for love of the game with uh uh what's that that dude's name from the untouchables costner was that a golf movie it's a baseball oh movie. yeah yeah that's right He's like remembering a time when he threw a perfect game he, and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, going back and forth between the memory and his life. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of remembering <laughs> the Titans, the Titan players, the Titan players. <laughs> and that's all a memory too. That yeah, is, that is a memory, memory from uh Yo's daughter. Yes, that's right. Wow. Hmm. That is, that is interesting. That, that sports movies are often a, often a memory. And I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because significant moments in sports, like we're talking like moments that like, <laughs> as, as my sister talks about it, she's like Saturday TV for middle-aged men, like <laughs> <laughs> middle-aged men, because at least nowadays, um, like the baby boomer generation is a fairly emotionally suppressed generation of, of men. <laughs> And so the one way they can actually express themselves emotionally is by watching like a sad documentary about like a a football coach who was like dying of cancer, like Vince Lombardi. And like, so like there's definitely this current in American culture where it's like we talk about certain sporting events in a way that is like reverent. And and wow. And so it's like the idea of memory and sport. I feel like there is a connection. Because it's like the, that sporting game, that important game to that middle-aged man is like the only time in his life where he felt that emotion. Yeah. And so he remembers it with fond nostalgia. Like, I remember when I felt something. Yes. I remember when, you know, Johnny Bench hit the game-winning home run at the World Series and he was flew, you know, skipping down to first base, telling the ball to go fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like any number of other moments. Oh, I remember when the yeah the we beat the Soviets in hockey and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. 
right. Yeah, there's just this like mythologizing of of sports, like these moments that are pretty pretty common, like where a team wins. Like every year in every season of every sport, there's a winner. <laughs> Except the XFL this year, which got canceled. No! <laughs> yeah. The Battle Hawks were going all the way. So they're going to like make a documentary about that probably. But like, I feel like ESPN just like pumps out these like these nostalgic style documentaries where there's always like a low male narrator yeah who's just like <laughs> like epic music like yeah. just kind of escalating these these 2 hour games where these like these 20 to 30 year old men are playing a sport into these just absolute like you know battle of troy level epic <laughs> fights <laughs> Wow. I mean, it's a pretty astounding to watch, like, people perform at such a high level of competition and, like, to see amazing things happen. But, For sure. You know, there's a Super Bowl happens every year, and it's not always epic, but <laughs> someone will make an ESPN documentary to make it feel epic. Yeah. I mean, wow, I guess, yeah, sports, like, a, a classical sport player or year will, in many ways, like, hit on, like, the main themes of a story, right? Like... um, early successes, difficulties, overcoming challenges, mm -hmm. and then winning, yeah. you know, relying right. on your, your good, you know, like, you know, your good qualities, your wholesomeness or your, your dignity or your pride to like bring you through to the end. Yeah. It's like some, there's always something to do with values. Values. Exactly. And man, I mean, like, I remember being a kid, I was probably like 12 and I, this is like one of the first times I remember thinking something like this, but I saw a documentary about Muhammad Ali and it was narrated by Bryant Gumbel. And <laughs> <laughs> any reason why that made you laugh? <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> I'll tell you one. I, I'll tell you why I thought it maybe made you laugh. Um, do you remember Funny Bot from South Park? Yes. Do you remember one of Funny Bot's jokes was about Bryant Gumbel? <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> it was like, it was like, Funny Bot was like, don't you hate homework? Boy, I hate homework more than I hate getting fucked in the ass by Bryant Gumbel. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> wow, that's an episode worth revisiting yeah. from the sounds yeah. of it. Yeah, <laughs> I just watched, I caught the last like five minutes of it the other day and I was laughing really hard. Okay, good yeah. to know. <laughs> Funny bot. <laughs> Funny bot. <laughs> um, so anyway, this documentary about Muhammad Ali, uh, narrated by Brian Gumbel, it ended with, you know, it talked about how Muhammad Ali, you know, he... He he had a, you know, just a very interesting life, and God, he was so amazing. Like at the, at his peak, I mean, it's I think it's pretty, you know, he he may very well have been the at his peak the best boxer ever, and he was just like so amazing, interesting guy. And but now he has, he might have Parkinson's, or he has is that is that what it is? Isn't he dead now? Oh, is he dead? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I see. I, I I might have missed that. <laughs> you didn't catch that one. I didn't. I didn't catch. Yeah. Yeah, he oh. died in uh, 2016. Oh, okay. Not too long ago. Yeah. yeah um, but his spirit lives on. Yeah. In the interconnectedness of all things. All that was, and all that ever will be. <laughs> so the you know he had Parkinson's, and you know they were saying that probably it was. They think maybe it had to do with just getting hit in the head and your brain just, you know, takes such damage. And yeah. it ended, the documentary ended him with like going about his daily life and like, like doing daily stuff and like jogging and, and doing like a little kind of shadow boxing by himself and with like this <laughs> such sad song. And it was like the end of the documentary was just like, look at this poor broken man who was once so great. So it was like, this documentary took that story of like the fall of a great person, but not by any, it just, just because of time and because of circumstance. And it was like, mm. Oh my God, this is so sad. 
And I think I kind of remember thinking like, wow, this was partially designed to make middle-aged men cry. Interesting. It's like, you've hey, you've had a whole week of going to your job that you hate, looking at your boss that you hate, coming home to yeah. your family that you hate. Now it's the weekend. Sit in your lazy boy and cry for once. <laughs> It's actually like doing a great service. It's like therapy to the, to the world. Yeah. Wow, I think that I think we've tapped into something because I can that, that seems to be like sports seems to be the only like the only way that a middle-aged man would like allow himself to cry and like even even admit it like I feel like a middle-aged man talking to fellow middle-aged men about an epic moment of sports history mm -hmm. and then kind of tearing up about it, that there's something kind of heroic yeah. about it. Just like, wow, yeah, that was yeah. really profound. But if that middle-aged man was talking about like the death of Albus Dumbledore in Harry <laughs> Potter 6, this other middle-aged man would be like, well, dude, like, why are you crying about that? <laughs> It's like the the eighty two World Series. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's like the one socially acceptable situation where that particular type of baby boomer can release. Wow, you're <laughs> so right, and release decades of pent up emotion. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we just tapped into why sports movies are framed like nostalgic memories. Yeah, exactly. They're like, they, they're going to hit strong emotional memories and yeah, they're really, huh? That's really interesting. <laughs> it, it has, you know, it has everything of, of like, there's so much like with sports, like living vicariously. I mean, like I, I kind of joke about this with people, but it's like, you know, like sometimes when you think about when you think about someone like a middle aged man watching, <laughs> spending all Saturday watching college football, and it's like at the end of the day, if you if you describe it in its kind of constituent parts, really what it is is a guy watching college age boys wrestle with each other on a field all day, and all around a pigskin, all around a pigskin, <laughs> and it, like like I, I I'm not trying to denounce like you know people who like have various ways of relaxing or whatever but yeah there's just there's something about sports that they have like they're one of the few things that that remains an emotional like piece of like the the macho man like you said it's 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 almost considered valiant if like if like a, a macho we you know emotionally repressed man tears up about <laughs> the sports victory yeah <laughs> think of like uh thinking back to high school coaches like think of like uh i can think of a high school coach giving a speech in the gymnasium mm. where i used to teach and him talking about that season and started tearing up and like it was like it gave permission to like all the other football players who were you know being emotionally repressed by the emotionally repressed people who were coaching them and <laughs> like they all teared up too wow like this is the most important time of my life. <laughs> that game. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something uh inherently tragic about it all. Yeah. Yeah, there there really is because it's 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 surface level in many ways, you know what I mean? Like Sports have their obviously their their great qualities. I mean, like you can learn so much from from the concept of sport. But um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. I really know where I was going with that. Yeah. It's, it's when yeah, it's, it's tough to go any further without just being a judgmental asshole. <laughs> that, <laughs> so I'll just keep that all. Yeah, to that is that is really true. <laughs> But the emotional piece is interesting. I think there's some validity in, in what we just said. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think we're kind of rounding up on time here. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so the last thing I'll say is, you know, so maybe two years ago, Tiger Woods, I almost called him Golf Woods by accident. Uh, <laughs> Tiger King Woods. Um, 
he won the Masters tournament in Georgia. And, uh, mm. you know, he hadn't won it in a long time. And he's had, like, t- Tiger Woods is, is a, Tiger Woods is a middle-aged man cry movie waiting to happen. And it's probably going to happen oh, within the next yeah. 10 years, you know. Yeah, or miniseries even. Oh, you're right. S- there's so many, so many hours that could be made. So many. Um, but when he won the Masters, man, so many. I just can only imagine how many men were just like sitting in their basement, just crying and crying and crying. <laughs> Because we saw this man, he was the greatest, like the pinnacle of of this sport, and just Nike boy, Nike boy, yeah, oh, the best. I mean, his shot at the, you know, the sixteenth hole, of the Masters, and blah blah blah, and this oh, and like ninety seven, yeah. perfect swing, <laughs> all eternity converged in his wedge. <laughs> but then he, like like Arjuna, he was gripped by emotional problems. In Arjuna's case, it was PTSD and. In uh, mm-hmm. Woods, it was a number of things, and but refound his swing. <sighs> yeah, had to had to come back from mm-hmm. all that strife and refind his swing. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> hey, maybe we could just write that miniseries and send it to Roland Emmerich. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, it's nice to uh, use. Bagger Vance to tap into the most emotional undercurrents of repressed middle-aged men. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Always. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Yep. So listener, if you're on that track, we encourage you to find other ways for emotional expression. If sports are your main way, may they not be emotions of rage. Mm-hmm. Perhaps emotions. <laughs> Just allow yourself to cry at that victory that <laughs> happened years ago and has no significance to this current moment of time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, please, please, if you're a coach, please don't do what Sean and I have seen many coaches do, which is yell at teenage boys in a fit of utter rage, because that's just odd. That is ontologically odd. (laughs) Spare them, please. Spare us all. 